Welcome to the Just Ingredients Podcast. I'm Cara Lynn, and here we talk all things nourishing to the mind, body, and soul. This is a place where you can find just good ingredients to life. The holiday season is here, and with it comes candle season. Have you ever stopped to think about what ingredients are in a candle? Have you ever seen a candle with the ingredients on its label? Most likely you haven't. The Fair Packaging and Labeling Act gives fragrance manufacturers a trade secret status, so they legally do not have to share their ingredients with you. Synthetic fragrance can contain up to 3,000 different chemicals, some of which are endocrine disruptors and respiratory irritants. Some even contain chemicals that are known carcinogens. If you do not want to give up candles forever, I have a swap for you. I love Fontana Candle Company for their 100% natural and independently certified non-toxic candles, wax melts, and room sprays. They use only pure beeswax, coconut oil, and essential oils in their candles, and they put all of their ingredients right on the label. Fontana was the first candle to be certified non-toxic by Made Safe. I love that they have my favorite seasonal scents like cinnamon orange clove, peppermint twist, and spice latte. Use podcast at fontanacandlecompany.com for 15% off your order. Again, that's podcast at fontanacandlecompany.com. Amy Tenney is a natural health practitioner, yoga, breathwork, and meditation instructor. She loves learning and sharing about how the body, mind, and spirit are integrated. After her own diagnosis with autoimmune Hashimoto's, she learned how to support her body through nutrition, mindset, balancing hormones, adrenals, and detoxing from heavy metal exposure. Through holistic approaches, she has been able to put Hashimoto's into remission and has learned a lot about healing and holding space for things outside of her control. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, I am really excited because our guest is one of my good friends, Amy. She is a master of breath work and yoga and meditation and all the things that I need to be better at. So I'm really excited to ask her all these questions. So thank you so much, Amy, for being here today. Thank you for having me. Will you tell my listeners just a little bit about yourself, your background, and maybe how you started studying breath work? Yeah, for sure. I'm a natural health practitioner, uh, yoga instructor, meditation and breathwork instructor. I first paid attention to breath when I started yoga. When you just as a student, when you go to yoga, your first cue to pay attention to your breath, which wasn't something that I had even spent a lot of time doing. And a lot of times people feel really good after yoga. And they're like, wow, that was amazing. And I think more of what they feel good about was that when you pay attention to your breath, it immediately helps you be in the present moment. And it feels really good to be present. And so that was really interesting to me as I went on for further schooling and became a natural health practitioner. I started to notice I thought I was going to be teaching people mostly about nutrition and, and I do a lot of that. But what it kept coming back to was stress and regulating your nervous system. And so we talk a lot about taking that slow, calm breath as a way to improve your digestion, as a way to improve sleep. And so things just kind of keep pointing back to each other in a circle of breath and taking care of your body and your mind and your heart and all of those things. Okay. That's so interesting. So you teach breath work. So breath work, I'm assuming that just is different techniques of breathing, correct? Yes. So most simply, it just involves putting your attention on your breath. So just noticing one breath in and one breath out. Okay. So is there a difference between breath work then and just our typical breathing? Well, we're all usually breathing a little bit quick and a little shallow. And so simply breath work could just be, oh, I'm starting to notice my breath. And then from there, you can think, oh, I'm going to try to lengthen my breath. I'm going to try to slow my breath down. I'm going to try to breathe deeply into my diaphragm all the way into there's lots of techniques that you can do to influence the way that you feel or influence your digestion. So there can be ways to like speed up your breath or ways to calm down your breath. And all of that is packaged in breath work. Oh, I'm curious to ask you about the differences. So let's start with the nervous system though, because you had mentioned that a lot of people are dealing with stress. 
Therefore, our nervous systems are not balanced or regulated. And so teach us how breath work helps our nervous system. Yeah. So breath is part of your autonomic nervous system, meaning you don't have to remind yourself to breathe. Just like you don't have to ask your heart to pump for you. That's happening. Your, your lungs, your body will breathe for you, which is amazing, but our bodies are incredible. And one thing that's unique about the breath is that we can put our conscious effort on it and we can speed it up and slow it down. And so the most important takeaway is from all of this will just be to breathe through your nose and breathe light and slow and deep. So when you're awake and when you're asleep, as often as you can be breathing through your nose gently. And not through your mouth. Yes. Okay. So let's talk more about the nervous system and breath work with it. First of all, how does our nervous system become in balance? Is it purely stress or are there other things? Stress is a big part of it. The food that we eat, the lifestyle that we have, whether or not we're having uh, proper sleep. So, I mean, most of us know how to get our nervous system out of balance. Um, Bringing it back to balance is one of the benefits of, of breath work. Okay. So how does someone know if their nervous system is imbalanced? Are there signs or symptoms? Pretty much any health condition that's going on is going to be a symptom of it. Is your sleep off? Is your digestion off? Are you really irritable? Are you reacting rather than having a minute to respond? If you're angry, if you've got high blood pressure, if you're feeling like your conditions are worsening, um, if you're not feeling safe in your body, then all of those things are going to keep you on high alert. And that high alert is going to lead to inflammation and stress and show you that your, that your nervous system is off balance. So it's being in that fight or flight mode all the time. Exactly. Yeah. We get stuck there just because of our adrenaline going due to the stress and all those other factors you said. Exactly. Okay. So if we're in this fight or flight mode, what is the best type of breathing to do then? That slow, calm breath. Do I have to do a certain amount or I'm just going to do slow breaths? If you're really nervous or stressed, like adding counting to it might might not be beneficial. But if you think I'm going to slow down my breath, that slow breath in about six, inhale for six and exhale for six would be really awesome to do. It's about six breaths a minute. That can be a really great practice as well as we can, we can dive into some specifics as well on, on which techniques can help you in which place. Yeah, let's do that. Give me a few techniques for the nervous system. Okay. So the first one is going to be just that light, calm breath, breathing in through your nose and you want your breath to go down into your diaphragm to expand the diaphragm. What happens when we breathe is our diaphragm lowers and it gives space for our lungs to open and expand. And so with that, and then when we exhale, the diaphragm comes up and it pushes the air out. And so what we're trying to do is give that diaphragm space, breathe into the diaphragm, that slow, calm breath. But another technique that's really awesome is box breathing. And box breathing, it's called box because you go in the shape of a box. So you're gonna inhale for the count of four, hold your breath for four, exhale for the count of four and hold your breath for four. It doesn't have to be four, but there's an inhale, a pause, an exhale, and a pause. Okay. And repeating that, 16 seconds could be one meditation right there. Just like a quick reset would be one round versus you could do several rounds in your car before you walk into your house or on your way to a meeting. Okay, let's explain to the listeners that you were drawing this box with your hand with the breath work. So you were going vertically up as you inhaled and then horizontally you paused as you were drawing with your hand and then you went down with your hand as you inhaled correct? Exhaled. or exhaled and then you paused again as you went horizontal. So that's why it's a box. If you can picture that listeners with your hand. Okay. So this box breathing or the slow breathing of six in and six out Do we do this just all throughout the day when we're feeling stressed or is it better just to do it at morning or night? What's the best? It's really accessible. So whatever would work for you is great. So a lot of people, like I like to start the day with a little breath work, even in bed. So it's something you can do in bed. 
It's really easy laying down, sitting up. You want your spine to be straight. So either way, you could start your day with some breath work to help start your day with a good pattern. Let's say you're in the middle of a stressful situation, though, and rather than reacting and kind of lashing out, you want to pause for a second. It's something you could do even at a desk in a classroom. So it's not an obvious technique. No one would know that you're doing breath work. You know, you're not moving. It's just a really still calm thing. So you could do it while you're driving. You can do it while you're walking. It's just a practice that you can do when you need it. I like practicing breath work when you're feeling calm so that later, if you're feeling agitated, you, you've already practiced, you already have it in your toolbox as a practice you can can incorporate. Okay. So you don't have to do it for like a certain amount of time, like 10, 15, 20 minutes to calm your nervous system down. It could just quickly calm your nervous system down. Yes. I think a lot of people get stuck in the like, well, I could never meditate for 30 minutes. I couldn't sit there. Yes. There's going to be awesome benefits if you could do a 10 minute practice for sure. But if you could do a couple rounds, you're also going to start to calm your body down. You're going to slow your breath and be able to help your body relax even in just a couple rounds. Wow. I think this is amazing because as I'm thinking about anxious people, you've got teenagers anxious sitting at their desk in classrooms before a test or, you know, when they can't understand something the teacher's talking about, you've got anxious people driving as we see the rage, you know, we've got anxious people at work who are stressing about things. So all of these people really could just learn how to breathe slower or breathe in the box pattern, and that would calm their nervous system down and help their health so much. Absolutely. This technique is something that Navy SEALs actually practice with and to help both with that calm, but also focus. So mm -hmm. a really cool thing about uh, breath work is that we move between our, our nervous system regulation state. So we have our sympathetic that helps us be on high alert, wants to flee from danger, protect us, and we're high alert. And we have our parasympathetic, which is helping us heal and rest and be calm. Now, if you're about to do a test, you don't want to be super lethargic, right? And so you can get the benefits of calm and focus by slowing down your breath, but you're also getting that focus, that attention, that dialed in state. So through breath work, you can really get the best of both worlds. Oh, that's interesting. Too bad we don't teach breath work in like kindergarten and they just I learn know. how to do it throughout their years of schooling. Okay. I want to ask you a couple other questions because I've heard you talk about breath work being beneficial for mental health. And so are we talking about that it's going to calm down that anxiety or can it also help with depression? It can help with both. Yeah, it's really beneficial. Part of it is going to improve your self-awareness, creates that calm and energy in the body, and it moves you into a state of being able to make informed decisions, being less reactive. Um, it's going to improve cognitive thinking and reasoning skills. It's going to clear your mind for focus, concentration. It can even help with impulsivity and ADHD, and it can help regulate your insulin response and in like all these different things, um, as we learn to tune into our nervous system and help it's, it's regulating. So if you're really high energy and you need to come down, it's going to bring you back to center. But if you're feeling low, it can also bring you up. Oh, that's interesting. So if I'm feeling sluggish and low energy and tired, it can help give me energy. Yes. Okay. So what type of breathing is that, that helps you with energy, the same as the calming or something different? Yeah. So energetic breathwork techniques are called couple body or breath of fire, um, Bastrika or the bellows breath. If you've heard of Wim Hof, that can be really invigorating as well as the box breathing can also it's a balancing practice. So it can also bring you up if you're down and if you're high, it can bring you back to neutral. So do the box breathing for anxiety and also energy. Yes. Okay. So then what about depression? I sort of skipped over that. Is it box breathing for depression too, or something else? Box breathing is awesome for depression. Um, there's a technique called Brahmari which is the humming bee breath. It's really great to teach to kids. Um, it's very simple. You inhale through your nose and then you plug your ears and you hum on the exhale. 
And that's, that's the whole technique. And you can do several rounds of it. So you're inhaling through your nose, you plug your ears and you just hmm, make that humming sound. And what that's happening is it's boosting your nitric oxide uptake by more than 15 times in your body. And nitric oxide is a vasodilator. So that's going to help open up and you're, it's going to help your blood vessels relax. It's going to support circulation, help support blood pressure and cardiovascular health. And then it's going to help you breathe into all five lobes of your lungs. Those lower lobes of your lungs are going to help you oxygenate more and help you clear out cellular debris and waste. But Brahmari, and I know we're talking about depression, but it it covers so many things. So Brahmari actually increases your glutathione production as well. And it's an enzyme in your liver that helps you rebuild cells. And it's going to also help boost your mitochondrial function and your cognitive function. So it's improving brainwave states as you're humming, you're, it's producing, it's putting you in a gamma wave state. That's where I was trying to get to. And that gamma wave state is associated with feelings of love, altruism, feeling good, that energy and that mood boost. And so you're going to help your body there. It's also helps clear your brain lymph called your glymphatic system. And so it can help you clear out negative thought patterns. If you always have that voice in your head, you know, those, those negative voices, it can help clear that out and help you set new patterns. That's fascinating. So that's how it helps with depression then, obviously, is those gamma waves. Yeah. So the gamma waves, so you're at the time you're feeling those, but those benefits extend after the practice. So after you're done and you're going about your day, you've still put your brain in that brainwave state where you can keep feeling those, those healing. That is really interesting. Okay. So let's talk about though that breathing. So you're going to inhale like for six seconds or how long do we inhale for? Just take a deep breath in, like breathe in. And then your plug your ear and hum. And then hum. But for how long? It doesn't matter? As long as you want. I will say that. But there are a lot of benefits with extending an exhale for doing it as long as is comfortable for you. So you want it to be a comfortable practice. So a long, deep breath in and then a hum for as long as you feel like until you're ready to take that next breath in. And multiple times, just one time? Multiple rounds would be awesome. So start with 10 rounds and you could go up from there or maybe just 10 rounds in the morning is the way that you want to start your day. And why are we plugging our ear? When you plug your ear, that's a really good question. And you hum, you will feel a vibration in your skull. And so it will help you, it'll feel really good. It would be really obnoxious to hum over the podcast, but if you're doing it at home and you're plugging your ears and you're hearing that vibration in your, in your brain, it feels really good. But what's also happening as you hum is your paranasal sinuses carry a molecule called nitric oxide. And as you're humming, it's kind of shaking it loose so that on your next breath in through your nose, it's pulling it into your body and doing so many healing benefits as it gets into you. That is so interesting. Okay. So I'm thinking about these teenagers in high school who a lot of them are dealing with depression. So if they're sitting at their desk, this is not one they could really do because they need to be humming. Yeah, I wouldn't do this one in the classroom, but maybe they're right. Maybe they're if they're getting a ride from someone to school, you know, like if they're sitting in the car with you, they can or in bed in morning or night. Okay, yeah, this is a more obvious one. So I'd hold off on that in the class. Okay, good to know. Okay, moving from mental health. I've heard you also talk about breath work being beneficial for your physical health. So how is that? Yeah, before we dive into that, we got to talk about three really important molecules. So oxygen, carbon dioxide, and nitric oxide. So when you breathe in, air is going to enter your lungs and the oxygen from the air moves from your lungs to your blood. At the same time, a gas exchange is taking place where the carbon dioxide moves from your blood to your lungs as you exhale it. And so we hear all the time, carbon dioxide is a waste gas. Have you ever heard that phrase? Yep. yep. Okay. So it's amazing when we breathe in oxygen and exhale carbon dioxide, 
it has such a powerful exchange in the body, but we don't want to just breathe in as much oxygen as we can and breathe out as much carbon dioxide. But actually for oxygen to get into the cells, we need carbon dioxide to be present. Hmm. So there's a protein in our red blood cells called hemoglobin. And that holds the oxygen molecule and it holds it really, really tightly. And it will not release and let go of the oxygen unless carbon dioxide is building up and present. So as you breathe in and you hold your breath for a moment, carbon dioxide starts to build up. Carbon dioxide increases dilation. It opens up your blood vessels. And so then it allows that hemoglobin to let go of the oxygen. The oxygen gets into your tissue and gets delivered to every cell of your body to heal. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay, so is this how it helps the immune system or is that different? Yeah, so this is part of it. And um, then we also have a molecule nitric oxide and then nitric oxide pools in the nasal cavity. So when you breathe in through your nose, it's gonna grab that nitric oxide it's gonna pull it down into the lungs and it's gonna improve blood oxygen levels. So nitric oxide is a bronchiodilator. It helps open up the airway. It's gonna sterilize the air and redistribute blood throughout your lungs, which improves the oxygen uptake in your blood. So nitric oxide at high enough concentrations is gonna be antiviral and antibacterial. So when you are exposed to pathogens, when there's things in the air, when someone sneezes in front of your face, when you're breathing through your nose, it's filtering the air, first of all, then it's going to grab that nitric oxide, which is going to neutralize, be antibacterial, antiviral, and help prevent colds and flus. So in a crowd, at school, at sporting events, breathe through your nose. It's going to be a natural filter, but that nitric oxide is also anti-inflammatory, it's antiseptic, it's hormone healing, it strengthens the lung tissues, uh, strengthens your respiratory tract and your digestive system. And we know that our digestive system strengthens our immune system. So all of these play into each other to keep strengthening your body. That's incredible. Breathing is really miraculous. You don't realize, I should say, what's going on when you breathe. So Takeaway, I'm going to close my mouth when someone sneezes by me and breathe through my <laughs> nose to filter that. But then when we're sick or feeling sick, or does it benefit us to like breathe through our nose and then hold it to build up that carbon dioxide and then let it out? Yeah, so it's really cool when you, on the first sign of feeling ill, like you're like, am I catching something? Kind of that you're not sure. There's something you can do to boost your immune system, like give it a super big power up. It's a technique called bastrika breathing and bastrika is a bellows. So if you think of bellows that blows that air onto a, a fireplace, we're gonna do that with our diaphragm. So really rapidly you're inhaling through the nose but you're filling up your belly, you're filling up your diaphragm with air and it's this fast, it's, I don't know if that's really obnoxious to hear over, over the, the airway, but it's a really fast, powerful breath where you're filling up your diaphragm, your chest, all the way up as if you're breathing even up into your brain. And you're going to do 30 fast bellows or bastrika breaths. Then you're going to exhale and hold your breath. And you're going to hold your breath to a place of air hunger. And that's where you feel that moderate desire to breathe. So in breath work, we're not trying to do anything that makes you feel like you're going to pass out or like it's some competition where your face gets really red. We're not doing any of that. This is this is more gentle and mild, but you do want to have that chance to let that carbon dioxide build up so that you can, that it can strengthen your body. And then when you feel that desire to breathe, that all that nitric oxide has been pulling into your lungs, you're breathing through your nose, you're pulling that into your body. So this breath work is actually a little bit of a micro stressor to the body. And so it's going to produce adrenaline and that adrenaline is going to stimulate your immune system to kick into high gear and to start operating and look for any kind of pathogens and help neutralize them. That's really interesting, but I'm a little confused with the breathing. So help me out here. 30 <laughs> times of breathing in and out fast or yeah, just you're breathing in? breathing in and out. So it's really rapid. Breathe in, breathe out a huge bellows breath. 
Oh, that, that fast. fast. Okay. Uh-huh. And then you're going to exhale after 30 of those big, fast breaths. Hold your breath for as long as you feel like until you feel that air hunger. At that point, you're going to breathe in through your nose again. And you okay. could repeat that one round or three rounds. But that breath hold is really the, the important part in that technique. So 30 times in and out fast. Then I'm going to hold my breath for as long as I can or. Yeah. Till you feel that, that pressure building up, that air hunger, that desire to breathe. And then you breathe in after holding, breathe in through your nose. Yeah. You're going to breathe in through, you're going to exhale, hold your breath. Oh, gotcha. And your next, after the breath hold, the next breath is in through your nose. Gotcha. Well, I hope you listeners weren't as confused as I was, <laughs> but now I understand. Now I can do this. That's really fascinating that it does that much for the immune system. Okay. So talking about holding your breath, I can barely hold my breath only for a few seconds, but my kids can hold their breaths for a long time. Is there a reason for that? Yes. So it's a survival mechanism where we're feeling like it's good that we don't want to hold our breath forever. You know, like we want to be breathing regularly, but every now and again, practicing breath holds can be really beneficial. It's interesting though, because that feeling of carbon dioxide building up in the body is a very similar feeling to anxiety. Hmm. It's pressure in the chest, you know, like it's, it's coming up and that can be really anxiety inducing. So when you are learning to practice breath holds, when you are doing breath work, go really gentle with yourself, first of all, but we want to train our body to be able to withstand this because there are so many benefits of letting that air hunger develop in the body. Oh, there are. So Yes. So that breath retention is going to feel, it's going to feel that desire to breathe. It's going to create that chest pressure. It can feel like even like a, like a panic attack, but you're training your body to feel safe when those feelings come up and then allowing your body to calm down from it. And so that is another way that you're even supporting your mental health of depression and anxiety is to realize that, okay, when I'm feeling that stress, I know how to bring myself down. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, I sort of deviated from all the benefits of physical health. So now back to physical health, because we talked about the immune system, but I know you've talked about um, that it can even help your blood sugar breath work, correct? Yeah, yeah. so blood sugar techniques like pratiloma, and pratiloma is really awesome. Uh, for pratiloma, you halfway pinch your nose closed as you breathe in through your nose. And then you release the pinch and you exhale through your nose. That's the whole technique. So pratiloma is a form of inspiratory muscle training that tones and strengthens your diaphragm muscles that are needed for digestion, but also lymph your lymphatic system. So pratiloma has been used in the treatment of COVID and other respiratory disorders, and it helps strengthen that diaphragm. And then your the breath hold that you can do at the end of pratiloma is actually gonna boost your stem cell production and that lowers your blood sugar and also increases nitric oxide and erythropoietin. So like Lance Armstrong caught for blood doping, he was trying to increase EPO, but when you practice breath retention, you can naturally produce that in your body in a legal, safe and very healthy way. Oh, that's so interesting. And so people that maybe have like type two diabetes, is this helpful for them? Yeah, it's so great because what you're doing with pratiloma and then that breath hold is that you're going to increase your insulin sensitivity. And so you're going to help be able to regulate your blood, blood sugar, and it's going to calm down that sympathetic response and put you into that parasympathetic. It's also going to help sleep. So when you're breathing correctly during the day and the night, you're going to get better sleep and a good night's sleep is going to help your blood sugar in the morning and blood sugar being regulated is going to help you sleep better. So these all really, whenever you can practice doing functional breathing, it will help you in other areas of your life. I'm going to come back to sleep because I do have a, quite a few questions about sleep. So before we move on to sleep, let's talk about that breath work again, just to, so everybody knows, do we need to pinch our nose for a certain amount of time, like five, six seconds? 
Yeah, that would be great. A long, slow breath in until you feel like you fully brought in all the air that you can. So you're halfway pinching it, breathing in about that long, then just release and exhale through your nose. Okay. And repeat that. That would be a place to start for anyone that's looking into breath work and wondering what to do. You could do this in bed morning or night before you get out of bed or before you go to sleep. Um, halfway pinch that nose, breathe in, exhale and release. That's so interesting because I just was thinking my last podcast I recorded, the women talked about that a lot of women's hormones are imbalanced due to blood sugar levels. And so mm -hmm. if we just lay in bed before we go to bed or when we wake up in the morning and practice this, it could even benefit our hormones. For sure. Breathwork is absolutely Amazing to me. Who knew all of these benefits? Okay. And it's free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Also other benefits with physical health. What about lowering blood pressure? Yeah. So as you move in from that sympathetic state where your blood vessels are dilated. And so you need to move into parasympathetic where your blood vessels can open up. And so as you do that slow, calm breath, whether box breathing, light, slow, deep breathing, the pratiloma, the halfway pinching as you breathe in, exhale, release, doing those breath holds. All of those things are going to help move you to parasympathetic, opening up your blood vessels, allowing better blood flow, increasing your calming response and bringing down your blood pressure. So it sounds like bringing down your blood pressure and bringing down that stress and the anxiety you really could choose any of the breath works. Yeah, there's so many breath work techniques that benefit you, you across the board. And I guess I should say any of the slow breathing ones. Yes. Not the fast one we talked about that helps the immune system. Right. Okay, this one I'm really curious to ask you about. You claim that breath work can help detoxify fat. Yes. Is that true? So Yes, it's true. The main way we remove fat through our body is actually when we exhale. So while some weight is lost through urine and sweat, the majority is exhaled. Huh. So we, yeah, we break down fat, triglycerides and toxins in our environment, in our body into a gas and carbon dioxide carries that toxic weight out of the body as we exhale. So if we're not breathing correctly, those toxins are building up in the muscles, the tissues, the cell, and the brain. So breathwork techniques can increase the amount of carbon dioxide that we exhale. So that release, increased release of carbon dioxide with it carries excess fat that has been broken down into gas. And so as you learn to breathe into all five lobes of the lungs, and you do that when you breathe through your nose, you breathe deeply into your diaphragm, and then you're doing that breath hold. So you're going to increase your inspiratory reserve volume. That way is going to increase your ability to detoxify fat. So you, the, in your lungs, your inspiratory reserve volume holds about 3,000 milliliters of air, but the, only, the average person usually only inhales about 500 milliliters. So we're really underutilizing our lungs capacity. And so as you are holding your breath and those, those toxins, those fats have been broken down into gases, the carbon dioxide, as it builds up, it's grabbing more and more and more so that when you exhale, it's taking even more out. So we exhale 22 pounds of fat every year. Really? Yes. So I wonder why this isn't talked about more because women know everything about diets from calories to macros to exercise to hormone imbalances. So why isn't breath work included in that? Breath work is not a sexy topic to study because there's no money to be made on it. It's free. You already have your lungs. You already have your nose. So there's not a pill. There's not a cream. There is not a company that can make a lot of money on this which it's incredible because, but it's being studied more and more now. And we're getting more research articles and more from athletes to weight loss. It's being studied a lot more to figure out how to those detoxifying nature of our breath work. 
Okay, so let's go over, just show us an example of how you would breathe if you were focusing on trying to detox some of that, those toxins and the fat. Yeah, so we're going to want to breathe slow because we want to be in our parasympathetic nervous state. If we do that pratiloma breath, halfway pinching the nose, breathe in, exhale to release, and do 20 rounds of that, followed by a breath hold. And again, we're just holding our breath till you feel that build up that air hunger. And then you're going to breathe back in through your nose and you're going to do another round. So if you did five rounds of that, so 20 pratiloma breaths, halfway pinch, breathe in, do that 20 times, then do a breath hold and do five rounds of that. So interesting. So that could take you like five, 10 minutes. Yeah, you could, you could be done with that in 10 minutes. So when you said earlier in the program that you like to do breath work in the morning, is this one of the breath work routines you do or something else, or you just have a variety of things you do? I have a variety, but I really do love to combine the technique. So, you know, I'll start with a slow, calm breath. I'll move into like a box breathing or an alternate breathing. And then I love to do the pratiloma just because it's so good for your lung capacity and increasing that. Um, I incorporate breath holds in it. In the morning, I like to do those energizing, the big bellows breath technique. And, and then I'll usually end with that humming breath, that Brahmari breath, just to feel really good and just kind of just a, a mood booster at the end. Wow. I have a lot of practicing to do because all those <laughs> are new to me. So, okay. So let's talk still though about the detoxing and the fat so when you're doing that breathing, is the important part, the holding the breath, like, is that the part where the scientific stuff is happening or is it the release or both? So it's as you're holding your breath, the carbon dioxide is building up as the carbon dioxide builds up. It's grabbing more of those toxins and putting them for removal. So we talk a lot with digestion, you know, you want to like make sure you're going to the bathroom so you can eliminate toxins. So the more you hold your breath, you're grabbing those toxins so you can exhale them I better so as the breath hold goes. I better learn how to hold my breath better <laughs> and, <laughs> because and I go cannot slowly. do it that long. <laughs> and and that's, that's the tolerance that you want to build up over time. A really great way to start with this is when you're on a walk, just breathe in and then breathe out and see how many steps you can take before you feel that desire to breathe in again. And maybe at first it's five steps. Maybe over time you build it to 30 or 40, you know, but, but just start and say, okay, I did five steps this time. Then I'm going to calm my breathing back down and I'm going to breathe regular. And then when you're feeling that your breath is neutral again, see how many steps you can take on a breath hold and, and work your way up over time on a walk. That's good advice. Okay. So you just had mentioned that they're doing more testing with like athletes and athletic endurance. So what have they found? Is it improving the athletic endurance? It's amazing. I think in, as far as really competitive athletes, all the way just to the recreational athlete, there are so many benefits to be had for lung capacity as well as competitive advantage. Your breath usually sets the limit for athletic endurance. And so when you're breathing efficiently, you can work harder with a lot less effort. And as you build up your tolerance for carbon dioxide, you're going to allow your body to reduce breathlessness, you know, that panting, that out of breath feeling, and you're going to get more oxygen into your muscles while you're exercising. So efficient breathing is going to reduce the production of free radicals, which is going to lower your risk for inflammation and injury. So as athletes, whether that's, you know, a neighborhood walker or an Olympian, you're going to breathe through your nose. And if you can practice breath retentions during exercise and at rest, then you're going to be able to improve not only your athletic performance, but improve recovery as well. As you sleep, well, as you move your body, so, you know, the carbon dioxide is going to start to rise and it builds up to the tissue and you feel like you get to a point where you need to release that extra carbon dioxide, that's called your carbon dioxide tolerance or sensitivity. So when you have that sensitivity, fatigue is going to set into the diaphragm before your limbs or your heart. 
And when that happens, blood is redirected from your legs to your diaphragm. And that's going to reduce blood flow to your limbs. And then you can't support your pace. So training your diaphragm will delay that when your body sends the blood and redirects it to the diaphragm. And so breath retention practices are also going to increase the buffering capacity against lactic acid buildup. And that lactic acid is what makes us feel sore. And so if you can train with breath retentions, you'll be able to delay the lactic acid buildup, which will delay fatigue. That's so interesting. So as we're working out, we are breathing through our nose and then we're wanting to hold our breath if we can. So, so when you're practice being a nose, a nasal breather, first of all. So if I'm on a jog and I feel like I'm getting out of breath, it would be actually better for me to stop my jog and slow down and walk so I can continue nasal breathing. And then when I feel that, then I can pick up my pace back up again and stay breathing through the nose. And so that would be kind of the first step is, can I walk while breathing through my nose? Awesome. You know, and then you could increase the pace if that's of interest to you. And then just like we talked about with those breath holds, doing a few targeted sessions of breath hold. So you don't want to hold your breath for the majority of your exercise, obviously not. But if at the end of your session, you want to do maybe five or six breath hold practices as you're walking, as you're running, as you're lifting weights, those can be incorporated in. So you're going to breathe in through your nose, you're going to breathe out through your nose, and then you're going to walk, you know, maybe it's 10, 20, 30 paces, you're going to sprint until you feel that desire to breathe, then you're going to breathe in through the nose. It's just to that point of air hunger. So we're not, we're not trying to push past that. And if you could replace a couple of your hit training sessions, you know, that high intensity, that's so good for, for athletic performance. But if you could replace a couple of those with a few breath retention sprints or a few breath retention walks, then you're going to boost your recovery time. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So this is, I found this fascinating at the time, a couple of years ago at a gym I went to, you know, when you're tired from lifting or doing a hit, you're breathing and panting. And it's just natural for a lot of people to do that through their mouth. And the coach would constantly say, close your mouth, breathe in through your nose and out through your nose. Do not be panting, you know, out of your mouth. And then she would say, breathing in through your nose and out through your nose is great nitric oxide, like what's in your pre-workout. So it's a natural pre-workout, you know, so yes. that's true, right? It makes me so happy that more trainers and fitness professionals are understanding how the breath supports exercise. So well, absolutely. Close your mouth and breathe. When you're in a race, don't worry about your breath. Like if you're in competition, that's not the time to be training or focusing on it. It's during the daily, it's during the practice that you focus on that. And then during competition, do your thing. Well, it was interesting because I knew I was going to do this podcast today. And so this morning at the gym, I it was lower body, a lot of weights, and I was watching people and after the set would be over, people were huffing and puffing through their mouth. And mm -hmm. so it's not, I don't think a well-known thing for people to close that mouth and breathe it through the nose. Yeah, it takes, it does take some mental effort to even understand the benefits and then to start, just be really patient with you as you're transitioning and your body will adapt and get better at it. At first, it will feel like, this is ridiculous. No way. But your body is made to adapt and to strengthen and to heal. And the more you do it, the results just keep adding on for your benefit. And so the main reason we want to breathe through our nose while exercising is for that boost of nitric oxide, correct? Nitric oxide, as well as just efficient breathing, getting that breath to the lower lobes of your lungs where that mm. oxygen saturation is and and then as well as the diaphragm, getting that full range of motion, it's a muscle too. So working it out and strengthening it will help it be strong so that you don't have to divert your, your blood flow from your limbs to your diaphragm. That's right. You had explained that. Okay. So I want to move on to another topic and I want to move on to breathing while sleeping. 
Because I have heard this so many times, breath work can be beneficial for improving sleep, correct? Absolutely. So why don't you explain to the listeners how this is? Yeah, so nasal breathing is especially important at night to allow for more restful healing sleep. At night, your body heals and detoxifies. When you breathe through your nose at night, you're increasing the oxygen levels in your blood. We talked about it filtrating for you. It supports brain development in kids and optimal um, mouth development. Your breath is fresher if your mouth is closed while you sleep. You're going to have adequate saliva, and it's going to be less likely that cavities are going to develop. It's going to lower your pulse rate, reduce stress, and improve a more restorative sleep. It's going to bring more nitric oxide into your body as you're sleeping. And during the first part of your night, your body's in systemic healing and repair. So your brain, your liver, your lungs, and your organs are undergoing detoxification. And the later part of the night, your body processes emotions, depression, anxieties, pains that we experience in order to heal. So we need both the REM and the non-REM states of sleep to complete a complete sleep cycle for us. So if you're breathing through your nose at night, it's going to support getting the REM and the non-REM sleep. And it's the one of the most important things you can do for you and your kids to ensure nasal breathing. I find it fascinating. I had a dentist on here on the podcast who talked about that mouth breathing during the night can actually play a huge role in ADHD in the kids the following day, just that yes. lack of attention. Well, they're so and, tired. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. My, my husband is a dentist and, and it's just been really interesting that we're like, Hey, we're reading the same books. We're reading the same articles and, and the things that he's telling his patients really, really match this conversation because it's cavities ADHD, worsened asthma, higher blood pressure, brain fog, sleep apnea, throwing off your microbiome in your mouth. Those are all associated with mouth breathing. Yeah. And you know what? Something else that happened with my son, and some people saw this on my Instagram and TikTok, um, he has been snoring a lot and his tonsils, just the back of his throat have been has been hurting. And so he went to a doctor. The doctor said, oh, we need to remove your tonsils. I said, let's go get a second opinion. So we went to um, a different dentist and the dentist was like, no, you're actually breathing through your mouth each night. And so your tonsils are just full of so much stuff because they're acting as your filter rather than your nose acting as your filter. And so yes. then they did this whole cleaning out process to get all the junk out of the tonsils. And so it's fascinating to me what nose breathing versus mouth breathing does during the night. Yeah, it's so, so beneficial to be able to start breathing through the nose from speech to gingivitis to energy and stress, as well as bedwetting. So if you have a kid that is a late stage bedwetter, the mouth, the mouth breathing is going to make that worse. And if they can be a, a nose breather, that can really help it. It helped with one of our kids too, who was a late stage bedwetter. Yeah, it's crazy to me because my I have an 11-year-old who was getting a lot of cavities, but he eats really healthy. He's like one of our mm -hmm. best eaters. And the dentist was like, oh my gosh, it's from his mouth breathing. He's a mouth breather. And so then I watched him, you know, nights afterwards because I didn't know. And sure enough, he was sleeping with his mouth open. So it can contribute to cavities as well. And then I know my husband, he's a mouth breather during the night and it affects his energy. So it does. Yeah. So tell us though, you can fix mouth breathing. What are some of your tips for fixing mouth breathing? Okay. Now I'm going to sound a little bit crazy right now, but mouth taping at night can be really beneficial here. And there are a lot of ways to do it, but just very simply a small strip of tape right over the center of your lips vertically creates just a really gentle lip seal that reminds your body to breathe through your nose. So you can search on Amazon for, it's called mouth tape or sleep tape. And there are different forms out there. So there's kinds that come in X's. There's even the surgical 3M micropore tape. 
that you can get for sensitive skin. You could just tear a piece off of that. Just a little, a little piece over the center of your lips will keep your lips sealed so that it will remind your body to breathe through your nose. Now, if you, with certain kinds, if you open your mouth really wide, it's going to break the seal and you can breathe through your mouth. You can even mumble and have a conversation even with your, with your lips sealed. So if you're worried about safety or things like that. It's very easy to break the seal. If you are a big drooler though, you might want a bigger, um, a, like a, a stronger seal, a different type of tape over it. When I first heard about taping, mouth taping, I was like, this is crazy. I heard about it a few years ago and it almost, I was like, is this even safe? Is this abusive? Like, what is this? It really concerned me. But then I researched it and my husband tried it and he truly just out of all these years of mouth breathing had gotten in the habit of mouth breathing and just purely needed the tape to redirect those habits to reteach yes. himself that he breathes through his nose while he sleeps. So yes. it, it, it is really beneficial. Yeah. For kids, there are different um, products that it's actually the lips aren't sealed, but it's almost like a little sticker that goes around the lips that squishes your lips together. So if you're concerned about that, there, there are options out there. Another thing, sometimes your child might not be open to that because it, it's weird, right? Right. <laughs> um, so you could say like, oh, why don't you practice during the day while you're playing on the iPad or while you're watching a movie of putting the, the lip seal on just to help them get used to it. Um, as well as if you're cuddling with your, your child at night and they fall asleep, you can just gently put your, like move their chin up to help their lips be closed and just help train them in that way. And, or your baby, if you're nursing your baby and they're done eating, then you just gently help just with one finger, help bring the chin up to help close the lips. And so you can help reinforce it that way. Right. And I think with kids, it's really easy during the day just to teach them little things like that and to teach them, hey, we need to breathe through our nose. It's a great filter, things like that. We don't need to just resort to mouth tape. Right. It's a good way just to remind your kids throughout the day of the benefits of it, train them while they're young. But it is really amazing, like ADHD, crooked teeth, overcrowding of the mouth, bedwetting, asthma. It's all associated with that mouth breathing in the kids. So if you're child is struggling with something like this, this has backed research that's saying this contributes to it. And, and there's something that's fairly simple that you can do about it. When we first introduced this to our kids, they thought we were so weird and they, they still do, you know, <laughs> but they're like, really mom. And we're like, it's good for you. But now they're, my daughter was a snorer, you know, got her tonsils removed. No one taught us to think about nasal breathing at the time, you know, and so she continued to snore after her tonsils were removed. And since she's been able to transition to being an, a nasal breather, that's cleared up. She's so much more rested, getting better sleep and a better mood during the day because of that. And, and the benefits are tremendous. It's so amazing. Like I've said many times on the show, what breathing can do for our health. Okay. One other topic that I just want to quickly ask you before we wrap up. You've mentioned a couple times that breath work helps with digestion. I know a lot of people have stomach issues or um, deal with bloating and gas and diarrhea, things like that. And I know a lot of times it's their digestion is off. So can you give a little tip of how breath work can help or what breath work technique they should do? Absolutely. So breathing is really closely linked to diet to digestion because your diaphragm separates your heart and lungs from the upper digestive organs like your stomach, your liver, your gallbladder, and your pancreas. And so the esophagus goes through the diaphragm and becomes uh, comes to the stomach right at the level of the diaphragm. Your liver produces bile to neutralize what you eat. And you need certain amounts of bile to neutralize fats and acids. So if the liver is congested with toxins, it can't make enough bile to send up. And then the stomach is going to hold on to food longer than it should. That's going to create upward pressure onto the diaphragm that results in heartburn and indigestion and gas and bloating and then that shortness of breath. And so your diaphragm can't fully contract when you have a belly full of undigested food pressing against it, right? 
And then if you spend a lot of time sitting down, hunched over, driving, working at a desk, you're physically kind of rounding and compacting that area. And so what we want to do is create space between the diaphragm and our organs and in our body. So the pratiloma technique where we halfway pinched our nose to breathe in through the nose, fully let the diaphragm expand. It's going to help the diaphragm move through its full range of motion. And then it's going to allow more space between the organs so that bile can move into the stomach and to digest the food. And so pratiloma breathing that, you know, 10, 20, 30 breaths, one or two times a day with a breath hold at the end of each round is so good for digestion. And one other thing, we want to be in our parasympathetic nervous system while we eat. So and not so so not stressed out. We want to be calm and relaxed. Out. Yeah, we want to be calm. So just one slow deep breath before a meal. Just sit down, smell your food, take a breath in and a breath out. That's going to help shift you to that rest and digest healing state. And you'll notice when you slow down your breath that saliva increases in your mouth. And that's going to produce those digestive enzymes that help you start breaking down your food. So a lot of cultures stop and pray before they eat that chance. It's, it's moving you into that healing, that reset place. But you can take that breath. You can slow down, even if it's if it's before you eat a granola bar in your car on your way to soccer practice, like it doesn't have to be a huge situation, but just a slow breath before you eat can help put you in that digestive. That is so interesting. I've actually never thought of prayer before a meal, having some scientific background behind it. So that's fascinating. Okay. So after they eat the meal though, if they are feeling like their stomach hurts, would doing those 30 breaths where you're halfway pinching your nose, would it help at that point or it's too late? Yeah, no, you can do it then. It's going to be more uncomfortable. So if you can breathe before the meal, like, hey, you know, you're going out to eat or, you know, it's happening every day, it would feel better on your stomach to breathe on it on an empty stomach as well as the techniques that bellows technique and the breath of fire that are similar to it those types of techniques can actually boost your digestive fire and help you digest better. But those you will want to do before you eat a meal on an empty stomach will feel best. Okay. So good to know. You have shared so much fun and amazing info today. I really appreciate you being here. Are there any other tips that you want to share with the listeners or advice to give them as to where to start? I think it, we often hear, okay, now I need to learn about the breath, but how do I do it? You know, and so just that slow, calm breath, breathing through your nose are the place to start. And from there, you can learn more and add on. Okay, that's actually really good advice. Tell my listeners, though, where they can learn more about breathwork from you, because don't you teach breathwork courses? I have a breathwork course, so it's kind of hard to listen and understand all the things that you're supposed to do. So I created a video series of breathwork classes that you can do on your own time and your own pace. So the first part of the breathwork course teaches you a lot about all the molecules and what's happening when we breathe. But the majority of the course are just guided practices. So you can go to topic breathwork for anxiety, and there's going to be seven practices you could do or breathwork for morning energy or breathwork for better sleep or digestion or reducing blood pressure. So you can go to that topic, you can open up the section and choose a practice in there. And there's some that are two minutes and there's some that are that are longer. And so that way you have someone to practice along with until you learn the techniques that you can do out wherever you're going. I need to sign up for this course. Where am I going to find this course? If you're my Instagram, Amy Tenney Yoga has a link to the course and I created a code for your listeners. If they put just ingredients in the code, that'll give them 20% off the course. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. Now, don't you also teach yoga? Like people can find your yoga online. Yes, I have a YouTube channel. My name, Amy Tenney Yoga, as well as a podcast, Amy Tenney Yoga Plus Meditation that has audio yoga classes, audio meditations, and breath work to follow along with that. You can do that as you listen. 
I need to go do those also. I've got some homework to do. (laughs) Thank you, Amy, so much for being here today. I always close with asking my guests what they have found to be the best ingredient in life. What would you say it is? This is going to be a shocker. I'm going to have to say the breath. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's, It's the first and the last action in our life. It connects us all to the human experience as well as it connects us to our earth. As we breathe, we're giving and receiving as we connect to the earth, our body and our mind and our spirit. Oh my gosh. I love that. That is really thought provoking. I'm going to think upon that today. Thank you so much, Amy, for being here today. I know the listeners have learned a lot. I have learned a lot. Breathwork is not something that I have done a lot of research on. And so now I'm really intrigued to go do more. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe to the Just Ingredients podcast to learn more about your health and good ingredients to life. Plus, get daily tips at just.ingredients on Instagram.